I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Nothing will stop the Satanic total release. Bart, stop pestering Satan. Welcome to the place where you're so sick of the question, why Satan? We named a podcast after it. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me once again. I want to give a heads up and say that next week there is not going to be a podcast due to the fact that tomorrow on Thursday, I'm going to be getting my second dose of the vaccine. And considering how I reacted to the first one, I'm probably going to be pretty sick. So I'm not going to be able to get to a show next week unless I end up feeling awesome. We'll see what happens. Secondly, people I've talked to really like the idea that I'm going to really quickly at the start of the show preview segments. And one of the reasons is sometimes people don't feel like dealing with the segment at that moment and they want a heads up that it's going to be coming. So for today's show, I'm going to do a little, you know, mini rant, not really a rant, but give some thoughts on the scientific method and people's mistakes about it. Why people end up thinking there's some sort of scientific cabal and why that that's a big problem when it comes to science. Then I'm going to do another segment on why Satan preps, because there were people that did ask me, what the hell is modulation? What the hell do you mean by bags within bags? So I'm actually going to get into that and why I like it and why I find it cool and why I don't just use it for prepping. The third little segment is going to be in other fuck these people on Richard Dawkins, who has extremely pissed me off lately, given his tweets. And yeah, I go on quite a bit of a rant on Dawkins and needless to say, fuck him. And that's going to be it. I'm not doing a news show today because one, I went a little long on the Dodkins one. And two, I wanted to give people a break from the news. The last few shows I've either talked about something kind of dark and I've had news in them. And due to the Richard Dawkins rant being a little on the feeling kind of shitty side because it's again someone being an asshole when it comes to trans issues. I'd want to have the show majority positive and majority good to listen to. So with that out of the way. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and what they could have done if they wanted to. The issues are fairly small right now. So that means the doctors or others involved could have suppressed it. There's only six out of seven million people who have had any real adverse effects to the point of being potentially life-threatening. I mean, they honestly could have followed the Catholic Church model. Some payoffs here, suppression there, move the vaccine around the country, throw money at some politicians. Hell, it's a handful of women, and half this country has a track record of not giving a shit about them unless they're pregnant. The difference here, though, is we're talking about science and reason. It pushes to learn and to understand. It takes its mistakes and admits them. Funny enough, science has a great track record. The times that science has actually made errors and committed harmful acts, it actually wasn't the science. For the most part, it was the people using it. Science isn't a belief. It's not an ideology. It's not a group of people or anything like that. It's a method. And that's something a lot of people forget. We discovered this method is one that works. And I feel like it needs to be cleared up a lot more. Many people who you talk to about science act like it's a council or some organization. Science has more in common 
with how you organize your computer's desktop folders than it does with an actual organization. If you can get someone to actually understand that part of science, it makes it a lot harder to believe that someone's actually trying to put chips in a vaccine. It's harder to believe that scientists are working together to do whatever shady thing people are trying to push that it does. I want you to listen to someone next time they deny something like climate change. They talk about scientists like there are some worldwide reaching organization, a group that backs each other all the time, when in fact, scientists fight and disagree all the time. But here's the thing, they don't actually fight on known topics, like why the sky is blue and if the climate is changing. Think about it like this. If you and a group of friends are debating which video game is the best that year, you can have a lot of different ideas, opinions, citing your reasons. But the moment someone comes in and says that demons are actually trapped inside the computer file and that's how the video game works, you're all going to agree this fucker is completely wrong. For people who are used to an unchanging dogma and conspiracy theories and beliefs they have no evidence to back up, the idea that a group of people can look at all of the same evidence and come to an agreement is astounding. It makes more sense to them to think it's a giant cabal of scientists. In their world, everyone's evidence is equal. It's all valid because it's either not evidence or looking at evidence doesn't mean what they think it means because they don't understand what science is. Next time you're talking to someone and they bring up the fact that science is always changing, or they bring up some sort of excuse that makes it sound like science is some big brother organization, ask them, what exactly do you think science is? Most of the time, you're going to watch a mental train collide and jump off the tracks. Maybe after that, you can actually sit down and have a real conversation with them. Listen to your battery-powered radio for instructions and information concerning community services. Last time I talked about prepping, I mentioned that the next time I was going to talk about modulization, or as sometimes I like to call it, bags within bags. I talked to my girlfriend about, about it, and she was very confused about the idea that you'd put a bag inside of a bag, as well as just other friends I've talked to. But it actually makes sense if you think about it for a little bit, and it isn't intuitive, because I thought it was bizarre when I saw other people doing it and when I heard about it. But a lot of times how I would throw stuff into a backpack is I would literally just throw stuff into a backpack. I would take like pencils and pens, scissors, hard candy, and I'd put them in different compartments. I mean, they'd be in their separate compartments mostly, but I only had so many compartments to work with. So sometimes the scissors would be in like my pen or my scissors would be in with, like, pencils, or pencils would be in with, like, my phone charger. And I'd reach in there, and I'd stick my fingers with, like, pens and pencils. Or I'd have to, like, rustle around through, like, a bag of, like, not a bag, but a mixture of lifesavers that are all mixed in with, like, my pencils. Because I didn't have anywhere else to put them. So I was organizing things on how often I used it. And just searching for these things was becoming a serious pain in the ass. So I was trying to think of different ways of organizing, and I searched through everything. And so I started, like, putting things in, like, little Ziploc bags, and that worked fine. And it was all right, but, like, sometimes the Ziploc bag would just get caught and stuck, and so the, the Ziploc bag didn't really work 
and then I started finding like small little like bag bags, like ones that had zippers and buttons and would have like buckles and things like that on them. So you could easily open them or close them. And I found it a little easier. I, I could organize things and then I would get these little bags that had like slots and then little bags that had compartments inside them. And I found it much more easy to organize everything considering I just take all my band-aids and put them in one pouch. And I would think, Hey, my band-aids go in here. I can also put my Advil in the same little bag. And so I'd put them in there and I'd find different things that went together and I'd put them in the bag. And if I still had room, then I could put other things in there that would actually fit. And I found that because things were so organized in these small little bags, it gave me a lot more room in my actual bag. So I could fit things like my jacket and my water bottle could easily fit. And I could put other things in there or my bag would just be more organized or I could have my heavier things on the bottom of the bag so my backpack wasn't so top heavy. And it just became insanely useful. And I finally got like how bags within bags worked. And it surprised the hell out of me, considering I always thought it was like the dumbest thing I had ever heard. And then I started getting into that I showed last time when I showed my little EDC kit. I have these like little metal tins that I keep my Advil in. And it's just like, so I have everything organized. The funny thing is, me being organized is strange because I'm looking at my room right now where I record and it's a mess and I wish I had more containers for my room and more space to put them because then I could probably do a similar thing to my room and that's kind of how I think about modularization in a way I think of it like how in my room like just having everything on the floor isn't great I mean, the same thing in a bag. Just throwing everything into a bag isn't good organization. But if you have a drawer and you can put stuff in a drawer, it's much more space efficient. It lets you organize. So that's the main reason why I moved to modulization. There's another reason why I moved to modulization as well. And it's the fact that I can switch things out a lot easier. Because I tend to have two or three bags. I have my backpack, which for the most part is when I go to work or when I would have to go to school back when I went to school. And when I was in school, I wish I had discovered this idea because it would have helped me a lot more. But going to work, I have my little EDC kit. And now that I'm not really working right now because of the whole pandemic thing and schools are slow to get back, I've taken my EDC kit and I can put it somewhere else. And if I need to, I can put it in my messenger bag, which I use a lot more because it's smaller and I can take it around with me more places. I don't need to carry this big backpack with me. I can keep this small bag that I have a pen, pencil, and a notebook in, and I can throw my little bag with my EDC stuff in there. I find not only is it good to keep stuff organized and be able to make sure you can take things in and out of another main bag more easily, but it also helps me make sure that I always am able to replace stuff easier. Now that I know exactly where my Advil is at all times, and I don't need to go fish through my bag to get it, I can easily know where my Advil is, take it out, check it, make sure that it's in there, refill it. And if I really, really wanted to get obsessive, and I know some people who do this, is they have little notebooks 
or a piece of paper inside each of their modulization bags. And they write down on a list every time they use something. I'm not there yet, but I see why that's useful. Another huge benefit I've found of this is that means because I know exactly where everything is, it sort of helps me keep it in mind. This way, so when I actually go back to the high school I work at, I can actually remember that, hey, I know in that particular bag in my backpack, I have a decently large multi-tool, and it has a decent-sized knife on that, and I can't have that in the school. And it will help me remind me to remove that. I can easily pull out that large bag, well, the smaller bag inside my bag, open that up, pull the multi-tool on there, put it on my desk, zip it closed, and throw it back in my bag without having to rifle through my bag trying to find where the hell my pocket knife went to. Also, if for some reason I wanted to have that in my bag, it would also allow me to go through the other stuff in my bag without necessarily having to pull out and allow everyone to see everything else that I have in my bag. A good example of this is I have money that I keep in my bag, and that's in a small compartment inside of my EDC bag. And I know that if I need something, I can pull out, like, my water bottle, and I know that there's no way that, like, my money's going to come out of there. And it also helps the fact that if someone's rooting around in my backpack, they're going to have to go into my backpack, find that bag, get in there, and then get to the money that's in the bag. So it sort of helps with me making sure that I know what's in there. So I know certain things that can't go to certain places. And also as well as making sure that it's not as easy for someone to just rifle through my bag. Since I don't like when people look through my stuff. Most people don't. And that overall is why I think modularization is pretty cool and pretty useful. Now, as an aside, there are a few questions that I have gotten after last time. One of the big questions I got is, what is the best food that you could actually have just like on you if you were to get hungry? Uh, I'm not an expert on this. I live in a city, so for the most part, if I get hungry, I can just sort of go somewhere. Uh, it, at work, I don't tend to bring food. I don't tend to bring a lunch because... I just go grab something after I get out of work when I am in work. But from what I've heard is one of the best things you could actually um, have is actually peanuts. If you can do peanuts is pretty good because apparently they're pretty high energy and they are good in protein. They don't have a lot of sugar, which is good. So you won't crash and burn. However, there are other people who do say that fruit is good because of the sugar it has. There's a lot of debate on what is a good food to just keep with you during the day. I'd probably go with someone, something with peanuts just because like you can get like a peanut like bar or something. And you don't need to prep it or anything. You don't need to cook it or anything like that. You can just like pull it out of your bag and eat it. That's probably what I'd do. I do have some food called Millennium Bars that someone gave me. They're not the best tasting thing, so I wouldn't get anything like that for daily eating. Things like that, like you see like the meal bars that are actually supposed to last quite a long time, those are more if you're in, uh, like if you're stuck. Like if you're somewhere and you don't have like food, 
Uh, those would be something I throw in the back for like a road trip because they don't taste very good. And I think I mentioned them before. They're not great on your stomach. So if you have a sensitive stomach, I wouldn't get any of the meal replacement bars, especially any of the ones that people say kind of taste like sugar cookies because those are like super dense and have just a lot of carbs and everything in them. And they're going to mess with your stomach. They're not like if you were to survive on those, like you probably would not feel good. Uh, most survival food is like not really great for your stomach because the fact that it has to be processed to last a whole time because no one's going to buy a supply of food that they need to replace every year. That's why like before when we were talking about food, I was talking about how a good alternative is like cans and stuff, but you can't really just bring cans around with you when you don't know when you're going to be able to make food. So for the most part, I'd say like something with peanuts in it or even just like a bag of peanuts or, or like dried fruit. Dried fruit is another one that I've heard is pretty good, but yeah, no, that is um, it for this little why Satan preps. And I'm going to, look at different people's comments, see what else we might want to cover. I know there are other Satanists who like prepping, so I might have conversations with them and seeing what else might be very useful for people who are not into, like, really digging into this. One thing that I might look into, because I haven't really looked into this too much myself, is, like, you know, like, those heating bags. Like, not the heating bags, but, like, those thermal blankets. I don't know how they work. Everyone tells me they work, like people who have actually used them. I have not really, I've, I haven't used one in a long time. So maybe I'll buy one of the cheap ones and I'll see how it goes. I'll see if I can like go outside and just so, like sit and just see how warm it is. So, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll do like a little like review on thermal blankets and see how those work. Because if they work, well and okay, that'd be a great thing to throw in your bag. But I have no idea about those. I, I've seen people talk about those. But anyway, let's move on to the next segment before I ramble too much. Are you listening? Bring it in! Come on! Fuck these people! Fuck, Fuck these people. people! Yes! If you want an example of someone taking all the goodwill they've built up over the years and throwing it out straight out the fucking window, look no further than Richard Dawkins. He continues to retweet anti-trans and anti-scientific bullshit. And it's kind of astounding considering that he's a scientist. But this is also a classic case that should remind everyone that being good in one area doesn't mean you have a clue in another. Being a scientist doesn't mean you're an expert in all of science. The field of science is huge. It's like me as someone who is educated in general history trying to explain sociology. Yeah, I could, and I probably would get something right, but it's not because I have an education in the humanities field. It's probably because I just look something up on, you know, sociology. In the past few months, though, Dawkins has brought attention to himself by his tweets. One of the recent things that he did, which sparked a bit of a rage in me, was he called attention to a book called The End of Gender. And I'm not going to get into that book, really, other than to touch on the briefest idea of what it is. But a podcast called Serious Inquiries Only did a two-part episode tearing the book apart and what its true agenda actually is. 
I honestly really suggest going checking out ISO's podcast on that. And honestly, most of their other podcasts is pretty good. His comment on the book, however, was that if even half of it was true, that scientists were being bullied into accepting quote unquote SJW ideas of gender, that there should be a fight back. First off, Dick, the book is only partly about that. Most of it is putting forward ridiculous and dangerous ideas like how trans people are not actually trans. They just really confuse gay people. So first off, fuck you. Clearly, you didn't read it. And if you did, then that says something worse about what you've actually said so far. Second, being half-true isn't good enough. Most lies are half-truths. You know, that's where we get the saying of half-truths. It's not a good thing. So if a book is only half true, it shouldn't have your approval. So fuck you. Next, for this piece of shit tweets, I'm just going to read one of them. In 2015, a white chapter president of the NNCP was vilified for identifying as black. Some men choose to identify as women and some women choose to identify as men. You'll be vilified if you deny they are literally what they are identified as. Discuss. Now, first off, you little shit. There's no reason to pull transgender people into that. You can have a discussion about that person all on its own. That is a whole discussion that can be had. You don't need to include them. So I've asked, why do you keep including them? Like, you say, oh, I'm not against trans people. But you include them in stuff constantly. And later, he sent out another tweet that attempts to make it better. But in my opinion, it makes it worse. Later, he said, I, didn't, I do not intend to disparage trans people. That my academic disgust question has been miscongrued as such, and I deplore this. It is also not my intent to ally in any way with Republican bigots in the U.S. now exploiting this issue. Okay. You've actually got to be full of shit or so misinformed or clueless, it's gross negligence. If you didn't mean to disparage trans people, like I said before, why do they keep being topics of your tweets, you fucker? If you didn't mean to ally with these people, why did you just take one of their big talking points that they love and use it? Finally, Clearly, your brain has become to rot if you think Twitter is a place for academic discussion. The fact that you said, well, when I said discuss, I didn't mean to discuss in general. What I actually meant was having, you know, an academic discussion. Who in their right mind goes, you know what, I have something that I want to talk about academically. So I'm going to go on Twitter. Who in their right mind thinks that? So clearly, he's either lying or he's not in his right mind. I can't see around the fact that he's become incredibly stupid or that everything he said he didn't mean in that second tweet is exactly what he meant to say. And honestly, given his latest track record on things he likes to say, sadly... The likelihood of the second is becoming increasingly more likely fast. It seems like a lot of people 
who were once non-theist icons have been pretty shitty lately. I don't think it's their non-theism that's causing them to be shitty, even though there are people who are saying that now. But we get a look at Dawkins, Harris, and even the, the talk show host Bill Maher, who honestly, luckily, I've always thought is an asshole. I think it's really important that we call people out like this, not just to call them out, but for our own integrity. Just letting people know that, yeah, this isn't okay. I don't care who says this shit. It's not okay. And I know that, like, I'm getting aggravated again, and I'm probably peeking my microphone. I see it going to the red. Pretty much this entire segment, it's been going in the red. So I might need to lower my volume a little bit. Just watching people who should know better go into this and just spout nonsense pisses me off to no end. I'll be honest, it's actually that second tweet that makes me more angry than the first. The fact that he realizes that his actual tweet caused a problem. And rather than say, yeah, no, I fucked up, he's going to go and tell people, you know, I actually didn't mean it that way. What I actually meant that you all didn't understand is that I want to have an academic discussion and that an academic discussion lets me say whatever I want. So, yeah, that's how it works. That's how academic discussions work. Academic discussions is kind of like free speech. You can say whatever the fuck you want and not be held accountable. No, I mean, you can say that all you want, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm just, my, he's supposed to be intelligent. We know he is an intelligent person. He's not dumb. He's not ignorant. But if you go on Twitter and your excuse is, well, I wanted to have an academic discussion on here. I'm not sure why everyone's so angry. Have you seen Twitter? I mean, I'm lucky. I just stay in my satanic circles for the most part in Twitter. I only follow people who I want to deal with. So I don't tend to be assaulted by idiocy and just rage and like misplaced anger and ignorance when Ever I look on my feed, I tend to be kind of pleased when I look at my feed and see all these awesome people talking at me and responding and having other conversations. But I know that there's a lot of ridiculous, stupid shit on Twitter. And if you go on there expecting an academic discussion, I, I don't... What, is, what does he think Twitter is? Does he think it's like the forum that Plato started? Like, what is he? That's why I can't believe his excuse. Because I can't believe that anyone can be that dumb. I know he's not dumb. It, it just baffles my mind. It confuses the fuck out of me. And then the thing is, we're going to get people who don't like him, who have been yelling constantly that he is like the devil. And he's done the devil's work and he's being controlled by Satan are now going to turn around and say, hey, you know, did you hear what Dawkins said? He's a really smart man and you guys like him a lot. And he said this about trans people and he admitted that the trans lobby is going after scientists if they don't agree with the trans lobbies. Now we're going to have to listen to those people take his words not out of context. It's one thing, like, 
when you look at like scientists who are taken out of context constantly, you see this all the time. Like when Einstein talks about God, yeah, he was Jewish, but most of the time when Einstein talked about God, he's using Spinoza's God. But in this case, it's not pulled out of context. It's exactly what he says. And from how he's been lately, I can't trust him. I can't trust him to say, well, I only meant to have an academic discussion. And that bothers me, considering that he's smart. He's someone who, when I was just becoming an theist, I looked into his work. I read his books, and to me, they meant something. And I think his early work is still good. It's still important. And at least, like, I know that, like, they're backed up by scientific facts, his old work. And I can still read them and I can still go to them. But it's still going to like make me look at his work and make it harder to read and listen to. I can't give him the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't know that things are problematic. Because like I said, he's not a dumb guy. He's smart. But for today, that's the only amount of time I'm going to spend on him. I want to thank you very much for anyone who's listening, and I appreciate every single one of you. Considering the fact that every time I log on to my Podbean account to upload something, I'm always shocked by how many people are actually listening to my show. So again, I want to thank you very, very much. And I want to thank everyone who's been supportive, especially Stephen Bradford Long, who kind of helped me get the idea to actually do a podcast, even though I was kind of talking about it. He's the one who really pushed me to actually do it. And also thank you to everyone on Baffinet, who has been incredibly, insanely supportive. But till next week, this has been Why Satan, and Hail Satan. Hopefully next episode... I'm going to have a small little change to the opening, and it's something I've actually been looking forward to, so that's going to be fun. I can't say anything, but it'll be obvious when it happens.